You're listening to the podcast of Christ Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We hope these sermons help you to know God through Christ by deepening your belief in the gospel. The reading this evening comes from Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. This is the word of the Lord. Our Father, we are thankful for your word. It is good. It is a light into our path. So we pray that you would now shed light for our souls. We pray that you would convict us, that you would shape us, that you would drive us to Christ, that we might find life in him. And we pray for all these things in his name. Amen. You may be seated. It's good to see you all this evening. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. We have been working our way through the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words that God has given. Uh, I hope it's been good for you. Uh, So far, this is now the the fifth commandment that we are on this evening. Uh, So many things that I have never considered or thought about in my own life in going through this series with you all. I hope that's been the case for you as well. Uh, You'll also notice that we aren't releasing you fourth through sixth graders tonight for Torch. Uh, This is a normal Torch week for you all, but hopefully you've seen in the bulletin the last couple weeks that we wanted you all to be here in this service tonight for this fifth commandment that of honor your father and mother. Uh, Our next torch will be in two weeks when we get to the seventh commandment. And there is no doubt that this commandment is for children. It is a big deal within the life of God's people and it is reiterated repeatedly in some form over and over and over throughout the New Testament from Jesus to Paul to Peter to the anonymous author of the letter of the Hebrews. Uh, This is addressing children. After addressing husbands and wives in Ephesians 5, Paul turns his attention specifically to children. He he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Then he quotes straight from Exodus 20, honor your father and mother, 
He says in parentheses, this is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So parents, maybe you've been uh, reading ahead. You've been seeing this commandment over the horizon and uh, you made sure that you were here tonight. You made sure that your children were here tonight with you. But I'm not sure if you've ever felt like I have about the fifth commandment that it seems almost out of place. Like it kind of feels like a hard slam on the, bla- on, the, on the brakes here. Like this is like the children's church section of the Ten Commandments. Like we have had really, really weighty theology of the first and second commandments, that of uh, unrivaled worship of God. And then in the third commandment of bearing or carrying the name of God with seriousness and in weighty ways. And then last week with the Sabbath of uh, resting in the provision of God on on our behalf. And then now, okay, kids, let's gather around now on the magic story time rug and let's get out the felt board and consider how this might apply to you. Be good boys and girls, everyone, this week. Uh, Make sure to do what your parents tell you. Eat your vegetables when they ask you to and make sure to brush your teeth. And then, okay, now you're dismissed. And now parents, now uh, don't murder, don't commit adultery. Uh, And then we just like moved on. And surely, though, those commandments that we've seen before the fifth commandment and those commandments which we'll see after the fifth commandment apply to children as well. But I hope, as we're all going to see tonight together, that there is much for us in the fifth commandment, for all of us in the fifth commandment to raise the mirror, to look in the mirror, see ourselves, to consider ourselves, and then be sent to the cleansing fountain of Christ, to be washed, to be cleansed, and to be transformed. Uh, Clint, last week, uh, he always makes me, when he preaches, he always makes me feel like an uncreative bum with his catchy and alliterative outline titles. But for today, we're just going to go back to the boring old two outline parts of understanding the law and then living the law, digging and pouring the foundation of this commandment and then living in the comfort of the house of the fifth commandment together. Okay, so understanding the law, like we've done the past several weeks before just jumping into our households and our living rooms and our communities on the ground, let's take a few minutes to just like get into a hot air balloon and go up a few thousand feet and just see from a taller height the bigger perspective of what's going on here in the law. Two weeks ago, we thought about how often Luther thought about the convicting nature of the law. He wasn't ever living up to the standards or the demands of the law, and so he was constantly living in a uh, a position, a place of condemnation and anxiety. We thought about Calvin's first use of the law, that it acts as a mirror, Uh, to show us our weakness and our rebellion. But then in book two of Calvin's Institutes, he goes on to explain his so-called second use of the law. In the first use, if the first use of the law is a mirror, Calvin's second use of the law is to act as a curb. Like curbs will keep a car on the road, will keep a car from like careening off of the road and crashing into your house or crashing into a ditch. Another role of the law is to keep societies from doing just that, crashing into one another, crashing and careening off into a ditch and into a fireball. And so especially the Ten Commandments make for better societies. We'll see why that's especially true for the Fifth Commandment, but when people of societies respect and honor one another in the whole of the Ten Commandments, even by legal compulsion, 
things just go better than if they didn't. Now, does that mean that we should put the Ten Commandments in every public school classroom or in every courthouse? No, I don't think so. Included in the Ten Commandments are commands to love and worship God alone. Even commands like the Tenth Commandment that get into the motives of your heart. Commandments like coveting, which don't, may not actually play out into real action. These demands cannot be coerced or even curbed, and we, Christians in given societies, shouldn't communicate to our unbelieving neighbors that the whole of the Christian life is to follow commands. The second use of the law is only one use of the law, as if there weren't many other uses that we have already considered together and many other uses that we will continue to consider together. But the second use of the law to curb evil is indeed one use of the law. And that's why societies come up with laws in the first place. Laws, we might say the law, act like a lid or a plug in top of a volcano. They're holding in what without it would begin to boil and then erupt and then consume. Individuals consume, consume entire cultures or societies altogether. So how in the world does the fifth commandment, that of honoring your father and mother, curb evil, hold in wickedness in a society? It kinda just seems like self-serving for those in power to hold on to their power. Like do what I said because I'm dad and I said so. I saw the embattled head coach of the New York Jets last week was questioned on Monday why one of their best players only played five snaps in their opening game last Sunday, and he said, that's my decision. When asked, will he play next week? He says, I don't know, depends on how I feel. That's the beautiful part about being head coach. I basically get to do whatever I want. (laughs) I'm sure this coach is inspiring a lot of confidence and good morale within that locker room. Anyway, this kind of stuff can feel very antiquated, can feel old-fashioned with so much of just like like, uh, double standards. Some people just get to do whatever they want, and then they get to make those under their authority do whatever they want. After all, ever since Freud, we have been told that the key to your happiness is to throw off the repressive norms and expectations of your parents. And that's something that we all naturally and intuitively want. I remember when I was 19 or 20, I was going to school in Austin, Texas, and there was this old country music star, a guy named Kinky Friedman, uh, and he was running for governor against the incumbent Rick Perry. And I was immaturely very proud to get a Kinky Friedman bumper sticker to put on the back of my Ford Explorer. And I was really even more proud to drive home to my more conservative hometown and for my parents to be a a, a little shocked and appalled that I didn't have a Rick Perry sticker on the back of my car. And I was even more excited to drive into the parking lot of my conservative Bible church and maybe shock a little people, a few people. At least there's one enlightened 20-year-old here who knows a thing about politics, uh, the 20-year-old said to himself. But humanity doesn't need Freud to tell us this. It is in our very nature to want to throw off authority, to want to throw off the expectations of our parents, especially when we are children. Learning to submit to and honor our parents is a training ground for learning how to submit to and honor the Lord himself. In the 300s, Augustine asked, if anyone fails to honor his parents, is there anyone he will spare? Meaning, if a child won't honor his parents, 
then he certainly won't honor his teachers or the police or the government, and ultimately God himself. And so, in first understanding the law or this fifth commandment, this is why there is a promise that goes along with it. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now, God is not saying that he is keeping track of your points, and for every act of obedience to your parents, he will add on another day to your life or something like that. We aren't naive to think that uh, good boys and girls will always live to a ripe old age of 100 and then die peacefully in their sleep, and we are not naive to think that all bad people will die early. But that, like Clint said last week in the Sabbath being a hinge to the second table of the law, the, the fifth commandment. If the first table of the law is about loving God, the second table being about loving neighbor, like the first commandment of having no other gods is a starting place for learning how to love God, the fifth commandment, that of honoring your father and mother, is the starting place for learning how to love your neighbor, learning how to honor and trust your parents when they say no to you. Say no to what you immediately want or when they ask you to even do something that you don't want to do. Learning what it means to live as a part of a family, as a part of a larger society, that you are not the most important person on the earth. All of that is what will make for a society that actually wants to and knows how to not murder one another to steal from one another, to lie about each other, and so on. And this is the kind of society that will live on in longevity. More often than not, not always, but more often than not, when you encounter someone who is responsible, who is hardworking, who is courteous to other people and considerate of other people, more than likely, again, there are loads of exceptions, but more than likely, you owe a considerable amount of thanks to that person's parents for the contribution that they have made, not only to their child, but to the good of society. Now again, that's not to say that if a child has absent or disinterested parents, he or she can't become responsible or hardworking or considerate of others. That happens all the time. Or that diligent parenting will always produce model citizens. We all know of many exceptions to that as well, even within families where siblings who had the same parenting and had the same parents uh, came to many different results and different outcomes. Children are not chia pets. They are not formulas where you just add a little feed and a water and then just watch what happens. Children are complex and sinful human beings. But being human beings, they share in our collective nature to want to throw off authority, which is why we need the law, which is why we need God's word to come and confront and show us the way, show us the road of flourishing life. And this command, the fifth command, is one of two of ten, two positive commands, meaning the other eight are thou shalt nots. But this, indeed the one before it, Two in a row here are positive commands. Israel is to positively remember the Sabbath in the fourth command, and they are positively in the fifth command to honor father and mother. And this word honor comes from a word that we've seen lots of times in Exodus. It comes from a, a, a Hebrew word of kavod, a word that means heaviness. God's people are to bring a certain amount of heaviness to their parents, 
That, means that, that does not mean that children are like to stuff ding-dongs and Twinkies down their parents' throats or something and make them heavy. No, the parents have an inherent weightiness already. And children uh, are to think about their parents in, in a way that we kind of use the phrase. We are to not take them lightly. But because of their gravity, they are to honor them. In fact, this word honor is the same Hebrew word kavod that we've seen many times throughout Exodus of that of glory or glorify. We've talked about this uh, before when uh, we've been thinking about the glory of the Lord, but God has an inherent weightiness to him and humans are to orient their lives in light of that weightiness. So children are to glorify their parents. That's not saying like we, we should demand our children to sing songs like, Mom, I lift your name on high or something like that. Like that would be breaking the first commandment. But think about how is it that we actually honor or glorify God? How do we practically do that? Well, we obey him. We trust him. We listen to his voice. We come to him for instruction. We put ourselves in a position to be guided by his wisdom. We receive God's discipline even with thankfulness. Now, of course, this looks different as we age and as we become adults, more on that in a minute, but it's not just that one way that we can honor God is by honoring our parents, but that we honor God by honoring our parents. Early Jewish rabbis didn't put the fifth commandment in the second table of loving neighbor, but they, qu- they kept it squarely within the first table in that the way to love God is to love your parents. The way to honor God is to honor your parents, which is exactly what Paul said in Ephesians 6 that we quoted from earlier. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. To obey or honor parents is in the Lord. To honor parents is to honor the Lord, since it is to them that God has delegated his authority. So when we leave our children with many of you as babysitters or in Christchurch kids, uh, we ask them before handing them off, okay, who is your authority tonight? Miss Crystal or Miss Anna or any number of you, right? And then the question then gets asked, so do you obey or listen to them any differently than you obey or listen to us? No. Why is that true? Because we, the parents, have for a time delegated our parental authority to you all, to one or two of you. Just in the same way that God, for a time, has delegated his authority to me and to Marcy to parent our children well. So this is the same with any number of you or their teachers at school or baseball coaches or whomever, which, by the way, applies to all of us as well. Many of you who are outside of your parents' homes, this does not mean that you are now free from authority. We have all kinds of authority in our lives, that of our bosses or our managers or the police or even the crossing guard who is really into the authority that he has been delegated. Uh, The city council, the mayor, state or federal officials, the president of the United States. Now, I can already sense the wheels turning in your brains and the questions and the objections that are ready to fly out. Like, are we really to think that the crossing guard or President Trump has now been put 
handpicked by God as his delegated authority to act out the good heavenly reign of God here on earth. No, but that any authority on earth has not gotten there by accident or without the Lord's knowledge or providence. And as long as these authorities are not causing us to sin, we should honor them as part of God's good providence, of his care for the world. No matter the president, no matter the political party. So in the same way that we parents would not expect our children to obey a baseball coach or one of you if you were causing them to, uh, or leading them into sin. And children, I want you to hear me very carefully. That if an adult is ever asking you to do something that you know to be wrong, even if it is one of your parents or your grandparents, I want you to hear me very carefully that God does not want you to obey them or honor them or follow them. You should tell another adult as quickly as possible if you are ever feeling uncomfortable or ever feeling a little unsure if you should be feeling uncomfortable about this. God has extended and delegated his authority on earth to his image bearers, which is exactly, or which is why it is especially satanic when authorities use or abuse their delegated authority for their own selfish purposes. It is a tragedy and shame that we have to even spend any time or consideration on concessions like these, of times when it is okay to not honor our authorities or our mother or father. But here's where the positive nature of this commandment is important. The concessions are important. The times when you should not honor authority, those are good things to think through. But I think we can immediately run to the concession and then use it as means for not honoring authority in all the other areas in our life. It's like if the city of Albuquerque decides that it is good for you to drive 55 miles an hour on I-25 or something. But then you immediately think, but if my very, very sick child, or my wife who is in labor, or my friend who is in need of medical attention right away, surely it is okay for me to drive faster than 55, and perhaps wisdom actually would dictate that you ought to. But then it's because we immediately think of a concession, now I just, I don't really care or honor the speed limit at all in my life, because there is a concession. And I think we can do the same thing with this fifth commandment and with honoring authorities and honoring our parents, that there are so many times that I should consider the fifth commandment with nuance and wisdom, but then, because of that, then I just kind of ignore the fifth commandment, how it should and ought to play out in my life, in the rest of my life. Okay, I've been like living the law for the last five minutes, uh, which is the second part of our sermon. So for technical, technical purposes here, and because a sermon cannot operate without an outline, uh, living the law. Secondly, everyone, okay, little kids, you children that are here with us, uh, this command is for you and for your joy. I don't know that we actually believe that. Not, I don't think very few of us actually consider many of God's commands for our joy, but this one is for your joy. You can't see God 
right? We can't see God. Uh, and for those of you who can't read yet, you can't even hear God because you can't read the Bible yet. But who you can see is your parents. Who you can see are your aunts or your uncles or your grandparents or whoever it is that cares for you. And you can see them and you can hear their voice when they're asking you to do something, even when you don't want to, even when you would rather not listen to them or to do whatever you want. And so learning to listen to and obey your parents is a good training ground. It's practice for the rest of your life to hear and obey God, of training your ears and your brain to perk up and to listen when you hear the word of your mom or dad. It can be our tendency, right, to hear our mom's or our dad's voices and just immediately tune them out like Charlie Brown teacher, right? Like, brush your teeth, make your bed, wah, 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 like one more command. And this is our natural tendency. So it takes special effort on our part to when you hear your mom's or your dad's voice, to kick them on. Like, make sure those ears are on and are listening. To be attentive and then respond with quick obedience. Make your bed when it feels like, I don't want to. Yes, mom. Yes, dad. Right away. All the way and with a happy heart. Your parents want so much more for you than they themselves experience. They want you, when you are their age, to hear what God wants from you and then respond with quick obedience. Right away, all the way, and with a happy heart, even if they themselves, your parents, don't always do that. They want that for you. Paul says in Colossians 3, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. You'll never obey perfectly, but obedience pleases God. But honoring your parents is so much more than just obedience, just doing what they say when they ask you to. Honoring your parents is about honor. It is about even gratitude. So when your parents do something nice for you, like when they take you out to dinner or to ice cream, when they buy you new clothes or a Christmas present, be grateful. Your culture around you, your friends around you, kind of teach you and tell you that your parents have to buy you nice clothes, have to buy you what you want, but they don't. They don't have to buy you anything. But they sometimes do buy you nice things because they really love you. They love you more than themselves. Like, think about all of the things that your parents could buy for themselves or do for themselves if you didn't exist. <laughs> But you do exist. And let me tell you, your parents never think like that. They don't. They don't think about the things that they're sacrificing <laughs> because they really love to do things for you, to provide for you. But in light of all that, say thank you every now and then, which Sherman boys, I'm actually really especially thankful. You are very grateful of kids, and I appreciate that. Mid-high school students, high school kids, all of that applies to you also. Uh, like your mom just hit your arm to make sure that you're listening, so wake up. Uh, you're getting closer and closer to adulthood. You're getting closer and closer to a point where you will not have to call your mom and ask for permission. 
Right now, your parents, other authorities in your life might seem demanding, might seem unreasonable. But again, just because there are a couple of exceptions where they might actually be unreasonable, they might be acting in selfishness, just because there are a few exceptions of that, that doesn't mean that we throw out the entire honor your father and mother thing. Teenagers, unless your parents are causing you to sin, you should listen. You should honor them. Turn your ears on and obey right away, all the way, and with a happy heart. More often than not, though, your parents are not being unreasonable. They have more life experience than you. They can see into the future. They don't have, like, special powers, but they can just see what the consequences of your decisions and your actions will be that you might not be able to see. Mark Twain supposedly once said, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. Your culture tells you that to be you, you need to be free of your parents. God is telling you in his good word for your joy that to really be you, you need to be free of yourself and you need to listen to your parents. Our culture today, really all Western cultures of the past century or so, uh, tends to view time as if on a timeline, meaning that everything that has happened is in the past, that's true, but every generation that has happened is in the past. So my parents, they had their day. My grandparents, my great-grandparents, yeah, I'm sure they were kind of cool maybe, but that was way back then. And now it is up to the younger generations to lead, to like, l- keep walking on this timeline so that our parents and our grandparents are following us. And praise the Lord, I think there have been, with every generation, many times where generations look back with reflection and say, what are you doing, guys? And then we can actually affect good cultural change. But more ancient cultures, even cultures like this one that needed to hear commands to honor their elders, more often thought about time, not as if on a timeline in which uh, we, the younger generations, are leading up and walking away from the generations that came before us, but more like a rotating globe in which a generation would crest over the horizon, and then another one would come after that, and another one would come after that. And the younger generations are not, doing the, not the ones leading these generations, but they are following. They're following in the footsteps of wisdom. They're growing and learning from older generations. And maybe this simple visual could radically change the way that you think about your parents and your grandparents. Your culture tells you you need to walk away as quickly as possible and learn nothing from them. The, the, the wisdom that is to be learned is from other people who are your age, and I assure you, it is not. <laughs> Even if your parents or your grandparents hold to some w- really weird and in your mind even some really backwards or even dangerous things, they have still lived much longer than you. They have seen many more things and experienced many more things than you, and they have wisdom for you. 
Now, here's something else that's pretty shockingly countercultural for the fifth commandment. Considering the time and the context in which it was written, in a, patriarch, in a patriarchal context in which this commandment appears, what does this commandment say? Honor your father and mother. Like father and mother are co-equal in the honor that is due to them, which is astounding, especially considering the cultures around, uh, that surrounded Israel at the time. So maybe some of you, as I did as a teenager, will take your dad's words very seriously, and you will obey pretty quickly. But your mom asks you to do something. It's mom. Right? Nope. How ought we to honor and hear from God? How ought we? With humble and attentive ears, with gratitude, seeking wisdom and receiving discipline, not just from our fathers, but from our mothers. This is the way to honor God. Now, all of this is good and right, and we should absolutely have spent some time thinking through clearly how this applies to children and to teenagers. And one indirect application for all of us, especially for those of us who have children, especially in these ages, is to expect and even demand this kind of obedience and honor. Parents, just as our culture teaches youth that they ought to want to be free from your authority, our culture teaches you as a parent to not try to impose on your child, to let him or her just go out and fail and explore in whatever ways they need to. And there's something to that. We don't want to completely shelter our, parent or our children from failure, and we don't want to try to impose onto our children, whatever we want them to be. My four sons all have very different interests and hobbies. They don't all do the same things that I would do if I were 10. But hobbies and interests are in a very, very different category than obedience. It is not an imposition to demand quick and even joyful obedience from our children. And then the accompanying discipline that follows when that does not happen. This is the whole point of Hebrews 12. To not discipline our, and direct our children to the path of joyful obedience is to not love them. To paraphrase Brian Chapel, if we love our children too much to not require them to do what is right, we have not really loved them enough. Now, that is not at all to say we should demand perfection and we shouldn't be so full of grace and kindness, even modeling to our children repentance. But while the fifth commandment isn't a parenting commandment, godly and gospel parenting is crucially important. So you'll notice in your bulletin, we just put it in for the first time this week, uh, that on the morning of Saturday, November 9th, we're going to hold a parenting seminar right here at First United Methodist Church. Uh, we've invited Ryan Kelly, one of the pastors at Desert Springs Church, probably the voice in my life who has affected and uh, encouraged how I think about parenting the most. He and his wife, Sarah, who will be joining for a time of Q&A, they'll be leading that time. Uh, you can sign up at the website, find the events page at the bottom of the website. This, is, this will be a really, really great time, even if you don't have kids. I think one of the most valuable things that I could have done before I was even married is to begin thinking about what if the Lord gives me children and what if I am ever a parent? 
How do I need to be becoming now so that I'm actually a godly and uh, humble parent then? So even if you don't have kids, this would be a good thing to join in. If you have kids of any age uh, and you are doing great in parenting or you feel like you're failing in parenting, which all of us are to some degree or the other, we would love for you to join us that morning. Okay. Here's the thing, though. You shouldn't just be glad, parents, that you came and you brought, made your kids come, or that if they aren't here tonight, you're going to make sure that they listen to this on the podcast this week or something. Because this isn't just the children's church portion of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, along with the rest of the law, are read aloud to gathered Israel, which included many, many, many thousands of adults. Time and again, Jesus reiterated this commandment to adults as he was teaching. This command is for every one of us in this room. For some of us, we, you, you might not have your parents with you any longer. For some of us, for some of you, you might regret the time that you were not able or willing to honor them as you ought to have. But for the rest of us into our 20s, our 30s, our 40s, and on, we no longer honor and obey our parents in the same way that we did when we were teenagers or when we were small children, but this is, a still, this is still a command for us to honor them in so many of the same ways that we've already thought through, that of listening, of seeking wisdom, that of gratitude. On Thursday, I was shown the mirror as I was writing on gratitude that I do not uh, think or express gratitude for my parents as I ought. So on my drive home, I just called my mom and said, I really love you, and I'm really, really grateful for the way... <laughs> Sorry, she's going to hear this on the podcast and start crying like crazy. Uh, but really grateful for the ways in which my parents, uh, even not doing as best as they were able, but I'm overwhelmed with gratitude for the way in which they put the cross of Christ before me. Call your mom... Call your dad, stop by if they live in town, and uh, just say hello more often than you do, and say thank you. Do your best to make it home for Thanksgiving if you can, every now and then. This is a way to honor your parents. Like with God, we honor our parents in our words to them, but like God, we also honor our parents in our words about them. Our parents, or our in-laws, or our managers, or our bosses can be one of the biggest targets of gossip and complaint. Constantly speaking poorly about them and with others, though, is not honoring to them. They have failed in many ways, and they can often, trust me, they can often be frustrating, I know. But this is a command that we need to hear for our own complaining hearts. This is Certainly a command that we need to hear as Westerners who celebrate the young and the beautiful but are quick to hide away and quarantine the elderly and the sick. The fifth commandment was God's way of caring for the weak. It was essentially the social security program of an ancient and agricultural society. We live in urban and suburban societies with modern economies and with social services Healthcare and medicine is good, and humans are living longer than they have ever lived. But what does the fifth commandment have to say for us as our parents are aging? 
What will this mean for many of you college students? And as you are beginning to think through the career that you would like to be moving toward, and as you are beginning to consider where you will live, how will this affect a few decades from now when you ought to honor your mother and father in caring for them? There is no prescription here, and I don't know the right answer. We are a mobile society and cultural culture more so than any human culture and in human history. This makes for intricacies and difficulty and nuance. I don't think that nursing homes are evil and sinful and that every family should necessarily take grandma and grandpa into your own home, but I think that for too many of us, the fact that that isn't even an option should raise the mirror to our face. Having grandpa live with us would be just really, really difficult. Would be really inconvenient for our busy schedules, for our vacation plans, for even our TV habits. And so that is not an option. These are conversations to be had with your family, to be had with your brothers and sisters, to be had with your GCs, with your pastors. And these conversations are conversations that require just a ton of wisdom. I don't know the right answer for these, and I think wisdom comes in specific circumstances. But this is something that we ought to consider in honoring our parents until the day that they die. There is just still so, so much more to say here. There is so much more to say about aging parents and end of life. There is so much more to say about parenting and submission to authority and about a culture that celebrates and listens to youth and marginalizes and ignores uh, the elderly. I wish we could spend like 10 more weeks on this commandment, and then we'll come back and we'll spend, what, 19 weeks on the Ten Commandments. Let's not do that. But here's the thing. Every one of us in this room do not honor our father and mother as we ought. Even for some of you who have absent or even abusive parents, honoring them will look entirely different than for the rest of us in this room. There may never be reconciliation or there may never be Thanksgiving dinners together. But for the most of us, even into middle age, we can still roll our eyes with our parents in the exact same way that we did when we were six. Right? Go back this week and reread and own that confession that we confessed earlier in the service together. Behind all of that is a hard and unwilling heart that does not want to honor God, that wants to throw off authority, not just of our parents, but of God himself, of wishing that he was not there and that we were not beholden to anyone. We are fifth commandment breakers, which is why we need a fifth commandment keeper. We need Jesus, who said that the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. And when he prayed to God the Father, and he says, I glorified, I honored, I oriented myself to the weightiness of the Father. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And in his covenant keeping, in his living and dying for his people, God the Father gives to God the Son to then give to the rest of us an inheritance of blessing. He invites and he welcomes covenant breakers like you and me to by faith in God the Son, by grace alone and by the cross 
his substitutionary bloody cross on our behalf to then give us an inheritance. An inheritance of his obedience that by being forgiven, by being transformed and forgiven and then adopted as God's very sons and daughters, all by the work of God the Spirit, inviting us to participate in the triune community of love. Individually, but then even more than that, to participate in the community of the triune God together as his family. Perhaps you have had a horrible family history. And the idea of honoring father and mother seems especially difficult. We'd love to keep thinking through that together. But then begin thinking as more closely, a family closer than the blood and the DNA that you have with your brothers and sisters or your mother and father, with a blood that has bought you a new family, the church. Not because we honored our parents or God so well, but in our weakness and in our doubt and in our dishonor, by grace through faith alone, he gives us honor that we might then honor others. We love because Christ first loved us. Praise God. What a God. What a Father. And what a gospel. Let's pray. Oh God, we are floored by the gospel that you would welcome us, that you would honor us even when we did not honor you as Father. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. God, we confess that all of us, whether we are six or 60, do not honor our parents or other authorities that we still have in our life as we ought. You have given this commandment for our good, to create functioning, flourishing societies of love, and yet we hear your law and we ignore it. Forgive us and transform us into your children who hear and obey your voice, who respond with quick and happy obedience, with gratitude and humility. Shape us so that in the way that we honor authority, in the way that we honor our mothers and fathers at every stage of our life, even in their aging, dying years. We pray that the nations might know you, that they might taste and see that you are good and that you are a kind and gracious and welcoming and loving Father. We thank you for all of these things in Christ's name, who has lived and died for us and has welcomed us into your family. Amen. We hope you have been encouraged to deeper life in Christ through the preaching of this sermon. For more information about Christ Church, visit www.christchurchabq.com.